Our lesson this morning comes from the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai, his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, And they set out to go forth to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we were finishing the last few moments of choir rehearsal before we went into the nine o'clock service and um, Mickey and the choir had a what is for traditional worship a rather rocking and uproarious song and Mickey had finished playing it and doing some flourishes and having some fun and then there was another book on his piano and he just flopped it open and he banged out a couple of chords of joy to the world the Three Dog Night version that you know Jeremiah was a bullfrog and was a good friend of mine. And of course, Mickey said, now that used to be contemporary music. And I'm thinking, yeah, a long, long time ago, Three Dog Night was contemporary music. And that's how I know I'm getting elderly. The music I used to listen to as a teenager is now playing in the elevators in the doctor's offices. You know, Mick Jagger's on Musac right now. Oh, Mick Jagger. Hmm. And those that, you know, Three Dog Night and the Beach Boys and, and uh, Aerosmith and, oh, some of those other things were the music of our youth. So long ago. Last weekend, my son Andrew and his wife Mallory were in Houston for a farewell concert. Elton John is doing a farewell tour. He's going around the world saying, bye, y'all, not going to do this anymore. Of course, I think he's got like 300 shows planned. He'll be doing his farewell tour until he's well into his 80s. But Elton John is 74 years old, 74 years old, and he's calling it quits. He's hanging up the piano. He's getting rid of the glasses and the weird costumes and all that. Retiring. Abraham was just starting out, 75 years old, just starting 
out, just beginning. One preacher said that Abraham had uh, been called to a ministry that got him off the map. He wasn't on the map anymore with what God had called him to do. You know, there was a time when you could hear in your parents' automobile, honey, would you hand me the trip tick that's in the glove box? Most people in their 20s went, what's a glove box and what's a trip tick? Because right now everybody just goes Google and get on a map and it, it, it's really been great for us guys. You see, there is this male genetic thing that used to exist before the internet existed that no matter how lost the male was, we would never ask for directions. Never. It was a weakness if you stopped and asked for directions. And you always told the person, I recognize that water tower. We're getting close. Guys spent years lost because they wouldn't stop and ask for directions. Don't have to do that anymore. Ah, you got Google. Google will get you there. You got that little map in your car tell you right where you want to go. You don't have to worry about being lost. Abraham's off the map. Google doesn't even know where Abraham's going or where he is. Now, there are a couple of strikes against Abraham or Abram that that the text kind of glosses over. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country. He ain't got one. No country. From your kindred, he ain't got any of them either. He's got Sarai, his wife. He's got Lot, his nephew, but his daddy's dead. And from your father's house, we've already established, daddy's dead, to a land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. Now, if you're going to be a great nation, the first step in being a great nation is you got to be a great daddy, right? That's pretty much step number one in great nation. The book of Genesis in the 11th chapter tells us in very harsh words, now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Abraham's got no land. He's got no kindred. He's got no hope of being a daddy. But God said, I will make of you a great nation. Paul will tell us that Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And as you read the story of Abraham in the Bible, you see moments where he's having great faith, where he is just bold in his approaching of God, especially as he negotiates for Sodom and Gomorrah. But you see other moments that Abraham is, yeah, we don't know what's going on with Abraham. What are you thinking? You're getting a little ahead of God here. And so Abraham's a little bit like us. Abraham has mountaintop experiences and he has valley moments. But I think we can learn three things from Abraham that help us in living out our faith that these are in the text. Some are very just right there in the 12th chapter. Others are there in the story. But I want to lift up three personality traits or character traits that Abram had that I think you can have that will help us be faithful in our discipleship of Jesus Christ. First of all, Abraham had courage. 
Courage is from the Latin word core. Or for my French immersion students, what is the French word for courage, for heart? French word heart. He got it. Core. Courage comes from the heart. Do you have a heart of a lion? Do you have the heart of a lion? Abraham's off the map. There is no guide for where he's going. He can't stop on the way to this journey. He can't stop in a Stuckey's. There is no um, Bucky's. There's no place for him to rest. He is on a journey. He is following God. He will go where God tells him at God's time. And that takes a lot of courage from the heart. In 1735, John Wesley was crossing the Atlantic. There were uh, two groups on the ship that Wesley was sailing on. There were a group of, of English folks, and there were a group of German Moravians. And the ship came across a, a storm in the North Atlantic that was tossing the ship and just beating it up pretty badly, and water was coming in the ship, and the, the, the British people, the folks from Great Britain, were panicked. They were screaming, they were crying out in terror, they were saying final goodbyes to everybody. But the Moravians never stopped their worship. They had calm, peace, and tranquility. And Wesley was fascinated by the difference, and he asked the Moravians, how could you be so courageous in the middle of that storm. And the Moravians said, we knew God was with us, that if we died, we were going to God. And as we lived, God was with us. So there was no way we were ever going to be separated from God's love and from God's presence. The Bible tells us that there is no fear in love, that perfect love casts out fear. And I'm curious, as Jesus followers, are we living with courage? Are we living a courageous faith and a courageous life? There's, there's a lot that takes courage. You may not realize it, but it takes a lot of courage to walk in a church for the first time. I mean, coming through those doors, coming into a place... What will it be like? What will I experience? Will I be welcomed? Will I be accepted? Will I sit in somebody's seat? Where's the nursery? What do I do? When do I stand up? When do I sit down? Just walking in a church takes courage. Facing some of the physical challenges that some of you are facing takes courage. Man, I know why people don't go to the doctor these days. You walk into the doctor's office and you sit down and you're all healthy and everything's going good. And that doctor runs some tests and comes back into the, the place where you are and they go, you got this, 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 and this, and you need to do this, 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 and this. And for some that takes courage. Others are facing life decisions. You don't know where to turn, what to do. But you're facing them with courage. 
We live in a world that one of the things you're seeing is all the anger out there on social media and, and other places. Anger is a secondary emotion. So what the anger is showing is people are really afraid because what all anger is is the expression of your fear. People are scared to death out there. They're afraid they're going to get the Omicron. And now they're afraid they're going to get the stealth Omicron. How in the world are you going to know if you've got a stealth anything? It's just going to sneak in, bomb you, and leave stealth. For a couple of three days, I've had a runny nose. Runny nose. And my runny nose gave you what a runny nose would give you. A sore throat. (laughs) Sore throat. Ugh. It has nothing to do with walking that pit bull at 5 o'clock in the morning in 25-degree weather. Nothing. Nothing. And last night, I was, I was just terrible and miserable, and I sounded terrible and miserable, and Tamara stayed in the recliner in the den. I sounded so terrible and miserable. About 12.30, I woke up and thought, I got the covid Yep, I got the COVID. Winterman doesn't have the COVID. He's just in quarantine because everybody in his family gets the COVID and they keep spacing it about five days apart. Winterman's been in quarantine for about 25 days, it seems like. And he is such an extrovert. He is such a people person. It's like we've sent him to his room. We're going to let him come out Monday, come see him, because he needs some people time. And I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, well, I guess I have to call Becky Clark. 12.30 a.m., Becky, what's up? You got a sermon? I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go with it. And I thought, no, there'll be somebody that's got COVID terror. And if I stand there in the pulpit and I dare to have a sniffle, or if my voice sounds a little hoarse, somebody's going to say, that preacher had COVID and he preached to us. So this morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, I went to the urgent care and let them tickle my, the back part of my left eyeball. I have no COVID I did all that so I could preach so you wouldn't be afraid. I want you to have courage. You know, I haven't said a lot about COVID because I've learned long ago I need to keep my mouth shut. And I just can't learn that lesson. But I listen to people talk and there's fear. People won't hang out with their friends. They won't go on trips. They won't go out. They won't do anything except they'll go to Walmart and will not wear a mask. And it looks like they're playing bumper cars with the carts in there. What happened? Do you remember when Walmart tried to enforce this one way down each aisle? That lasted a long time, didn't it? We're afraid and we're afraid we're going to die. Guess what? Nobody gets out of this alive. We're all going one way or the other. The question is, how are you going to live your life? Are you going to live it coward? Are you going to live it afraid? Are you going to live with courage from the heart? Jesus Christ has given you the heart of a lion. 
He's given you the Holy Spirit, the advocate, one called alongside to help. And I want to suggest to you another way you can translate those, those words in John is to say the Holy Spirit is your encourager. Look at the word encourage. Has the word courage stuck right in the middle of it. It means that an encourager is one that speaks courage into another one. Perhaps God has called you to be an encourager to somebody else. Somebody who might be afraid. Somebody who might need a little rah-rah in their life. Somebody that needs to know you can do this. You can keep doing this. If the Holy Spirit's speaking it to your heart, you need to speak it in the lives of others. You need to be with that person who's afraid to come into the doors of the church. And don't say, come to church. Say, I'll, I'll take you to church. Sit with me. I'll show you where the nursery is. And all the other secret things we hide in the Methodist church, like the coffee pot. Abraham had courage. Second thing, Abraham was obedient. Obedient. Oh, you don't hear that word spoken in culture anymore. Obedient. One of the things that discipline requires of us is before somebody gets married in our church, if we're doing the wedding, we're supposed to do premarital counseling with them. Um, and that's always interesting conversations. Over the past years, a question has come up pretty consistently in marriage counseling. It is always asked by the female. It's always toward the end of the session, and she says, Preacher, I have one thing about the ceremony. When, when we're doing our vows to each other, do we have to promise to obey each other? And I tell them, look, the words obey were taken out of the, the ritual in the 1840s. You don't have to promise to obey your spouse. It's always the females. Now, as a result of that, we have pretty good conversations about trust and communication. And guys never ask the question because we know once we get married, we are going to obey our wives. That our words for happiness and joy in marriage are, yes, dear, whatever you want. Obey. Abram was obedient to God. God said, go, and Abram went. Jesus says, follow, and I wonder. He told a story our Lord did. It's in the 21st chapter of Matthew's gospel. Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? And Jesus said, you're right, the first one. There's a difference between defiance and disobedience. Defiance straightens itself out with repentance. Disobedience continues not listening to God, continuing not to obey God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my word. There's no negotiation there. There's no room to 
you know, consider new cultural norms. Jesus said, those who love me will keep my word. What's God telling you to do that you're not doing? And I say that because I know Methodist. One of the committees that I've been a part of and continue to be a part of is the Board of Ordained Ministry. Um, One of the questions the Board of Ordained Ministry asks people is share with us your experience of being called into the ministry. Share with us your call story. And I don't know how many stories I've heard from people in their late 50s, late 60s. We've got one now in his mid-70s who say, you know, back when I was a young person, back when I was in high school or back when I was in college or back when I was first starting out my career, I felt as though God was calling me into ministry And I disobeyed. I didn't do what he wanted me to do. And I just can't do that anymore. I've got to obey God. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to be? How is God calling you into relationship with himself? Abram had courage, he was obedient. And the third trait he exhibited was the spirit or the ability to sacrifice. When you think about it, Abram didn't have a lot, but what he had, he walked away from. God has commanded me to go. I'm going. I'm not going to worry about any of this stuff back here. I'm going where God wants me to go. The writer of 1 John puts it this way. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire is pa- are passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. The writer of 1 John is saying if you sacrifice the things of this world, if you give up the things of this world for the things of God, you will have eternal life. And I want to suggest to you that Abram or Abraham was a model, a figure of Christ. Abraham gave up everything to go where God told him to go. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped or held on to. But Jesus emptied himself and he took on the form of a human being. And Jesus became obedient even unto the power of death. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Paul said, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him, it was counted to him as righteousness. And I want to say he got to that belief through his courage, through his obedience, and through his sacrifice. How about you as you follow Jesus? Occasionally when I'm really bored, I watch that there Go Big show on TBS. 
The writer of Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun, and go big, the Go Big Show proves it because all that is is vaudeville done in front of a TV camera. There are some weird things on there, but I like the trapeze people. People swinging way up there in the rafters. One person on the swing over here, another person on the swing over here. person on the swing over here is hanging by their knees. They are upside down. They're called the catcher. And the one over here that's hanging on the trapeze the right way, they're called the flyer. And the flyer gets to the apex of the arc and the flyer lets go. And they do flips and tumbles and things. And then they get at the end of it and they throw their arms up and the catcher catches them. That's the catcher's only job to catch the flyer. That's it. No tumbles, no cartwheels, no weird positions. Hanging upside down to catch the flyer. And the flyer is told, relax, keep your arms up, don't try to catch the catcher. Let the catcher catch you. Because if you try to catch, you're going to mess up the timing. I want to suggest to you that being a follower of Jesus Christ in the year 2022 is the call to be a flyer. We are called to tumble and to twirl and to take chances and to practice courage and obedience and sacrifice. We are to do it with our arms up and our arms out, knowing that God will catch us. And if you live knowing that God is going to catch you and that God is going to hang on to you, that Christ is there with you, You too can go when God tells you to go. And you can do what God tells you to do. And you can be what God has created you to be. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we thank you for Father Abraham. We thank you that through him, three great religions, three great faiths were raised up. We thank you that he is an example to so many of faithful living. We pray, God, that we would live with courage, that we would be obedient, and that we would be willing to sacrifice anything for the cause of Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.